0: I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse, And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. (laughs) Let's
1: do this.
2: It's like all of a sudden they see their numbers and they go, there is so much potential here. Why am I not doing more of the things that just work?
1: Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 36. If you're enjoying our podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think.
1: For today's episode, we're talking about how online influencers and businesses can find metrics to measure their success and what they can realistically be paying themselves. It should be a very interesting conversation. But before we go any further, Jesse, what are you drinking? Today's just water for me because I am coming off
0: of a week long vacation and there was a lot of drinking going on and a lot of just
1: bad decision making.
0: Not necessarily bad decision, (laughs) but just I feel like I need to maybe do a little bit of detox. So just just, uh, water today.
1: What about you? I am actually ramping up to vacation, so I am drinking a dirty chai. It's just a, uh, it's actually a tea bag where it's chai with a little bit of espresso sprinkled in there. Because mm. I have to be careful of the caffeine content. But then what I do is I mix it. I found this um, Califia Farms. They sell it at, like Whole Foods and stuff like that. They have this toasted coconut milk. Mm. Oh, my God. So good. So it's like almost having like a little mini, like a latte tea coffee latte kind of thing going on sounds with, so good with, co- so good. with uh, coconut and I mean you know I know we're at the end of summer going into fall but I'm I'm kind of holding on to the tropical vibes uh yeah I'm gonna be holding on to it for as long as I can yeah even though I didn't go anywhere tra- tropical this year <laughs> <laughs> oh well now that we have that important important business out of the way let's get right into our discussion with our guest Parker Stevenson We are so excited to have Parker Stevenson, the co-owner and chief business officer at Evolve Finance on the show. Evolve Finance is a bookkeeping agency that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs to build more profitable and financially stable online businesses. Parker, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Kate. Appreciate you having me here.
1: Well, first off, we must ask, what are you drinking? This is cocktails and content creation after all.
2: Well, it is nine in the morning here in San Diego. So I got health aid, kombucha, tropical punch. One of my favorites, Trader Joe's sells it for a real good price. Um, and occasionally I'll switch it up with, um, trilogy by, um, oh, what's the other kombucha company? There's like two I buy, but I've been really on the health aid kick. The tropical punch. it's Delicious. They
0: expect, I have to to say I've I've never never had kombucha. So you've never
2: had kombucha. Mm -mm. If you like, well, I haven't drank soda in a really long time. I try to keep sugar at a minimum. Um, So if you are used to having sugar, then it's probably going to taste like bubbly vinegar. Um, For me, it actually just tastes like bubbly fruit juice to me. But there's just a little bit because it's like brewed. There's just a little bit of this brewy, sometimes borderline vinegary taste on top of the like fruity goodness. So it might be an acquired taste, but for me as someone who has- I feel like I might like it. Yeah. I have very few carbonated options and I love carbonated drinks. Kombucha has been a lifesaver for me.
1: See, Jesse's actually lived on the West Coast, like towards the West Coast for a little Mm bit. I've kind of, I've lived a couple different places, but mostly on the East Coast. So this is a- I don't know. kombuka is not as popular over on the East coast. So I would imagine. I, so I've it is like hippie it.
2: West coast stuff for sure.
1: You really brought, you're bringing the, the West Love coast it. energy. To <laughs> <today>. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. We appreciate that. All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, please tell us Parker, a brief journey about, you know, a little bit about your journey and what it is that you do.
2: Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm a co-owner chief business officer at Evolve Finance. I never thought I would be like the owner of a bookkeeping company, like never, ever. Like if you told me when I was in college getting like C's in my accounting classes, like my two accounting classes, I had to take as a marketing major. Um, I would have said, yeah, there's no way I'm going into this world. Um, when I was in college, I was actually thought I was going to be a rock star. I have a bunch of music in my family. Like I have family who are musicians, professional producers, uh, music engineers, touring musicians. Um, so I had a band. I went to school in LA, the band and I played in LA, um, not to toot our own horn, but we were pretty good. Like we were good. We were a good band. And we had, um, tons of people that, uh, in LA and Southern California that supported us and it was super fun. Uh, but the band broke up. I was tired of the grind. I was like in my mid 20s, maybe getting close to like 26, 27, and was like, "All right, I need to go get like a grown-up job. I think I'm done with the band thing. I don't want to find new people and do this all over." And I'm a um I'm a Virgo, so I think I wanted some more consistency and like structure in my life, which if you're a musician, you don't get a whole lot of that. So, um, I ended up moving back down to San Diego where I grew up and, um, decided I wanted to get into the golf industry. I was been a golfer my whole life and said, all right golf industry pretty much lives in San Diego. All the big golf manufacturers, uh, somehow weaseled my way into tailor-made Adidas golf, um, and worked there for about five years, had a really great experience, but also realized like the rebellious punk rock part of me that made me want to be a musician was like, yeah, I don't really want to work for other people. Like I, I really had some great mentors and some great bosses, but also, There's a whole level of leadership doing things you don't agree with that you think is not the right direction. And I was just like, I want to do something more entrepreneurial. So, my wife, her best friends, Corey and Anna, who she grew up with, they had this little bookkeeping firm called Evolve Finance. I was kind of fascinated by what they did. I didn't really fully understand what bookkeeping was at the time, uh, but Corey and Anna started to explain it to me. And then their clients, I thought, were just fascinating. I was like, but these people are doing what they're making money. How like this was back in 2014, 2013, when we were starting to have these conversations, I didn't know what an online course was or like coaching or whatever these people were doing to make money. And we kind of came to the realization together, Corey and I were like, I think I can help you guys grow the business, but can you teach me bookkeeping? Like, yep. You'll you'll get it. Not a problem. Well, I did get it. It took me a year, but I eventually learned how bookkeeping worked. There was a lot to it. Um, but here we are, like seven years later. The business is like quadrupled in size since um, Corey and I partnered up, and um, I don't think I've ever been more fulfilled or excited to work than I have since I've been out of all finance. So life sometimes takes you on a journey you don't really expect, and I am proof of that.
1: There's so much in there that I just want to like pick apart for one thing like (laughs) rock star to golf like that seems a little weird and then I know you know I've always thought of book my mom used to do bookkeeping for her family company and to me that was always I mean don't get me wrong I didn't I thought I knew she was working hard but I always thought it was just like balancing checkbooks and stuff like
2: yeah no I get it I get it it's
1: What else is involved there? I I mean, I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but what else is involved with bookkeeping?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, with bookkeeping, it's it's such an important core piece of like really scaling a business, right? Okay. Uh, Because as your business grows, and all of our clients are generating at least six figures or more a year in revenue, and we have clients who have gone all the way up to the like eight figure mark, who are crossing ten million dollars a year. So, if you're really serious about making money in your business, uh, feeling confident about the decisions you make in your business and and feeling like um you have visibility into the core piece of your business which is are we making more money than we're spending mm. then bookkeeping becomes increasingly important because a bookkeeper is going to take all the transactions in your business organize it together there's where my virgo kicks in and I kind of hit that like part of my soul I didn't realize I needed <laughs> and um and we organize that data in a way that then you can start to get Feedback as a business owner, it also makes it really easy for your account to file your taxes because they're not sifting through bank statements. Everything's organized and put together and nice and clean. Um, but our clients are really relying on us to provide them their their monthly profit and loss statement, uh, which is like the main financial report every business owner should be looking at because that report's going to be telling them each month as well as like where they're at for the year on how much money have they made, what have they spent their money on, and how much profit do they have left over. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yes. I recently and did hire all wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Aww, I'm
0: sure not all wrong. It's, a, it's so much work. This is the first year I did hire a bookkeeper, and because I was originally doing all it all in Excel. And mm-hmm. doing it myself and then finally I, you know, put my big girl pants on and I got QuickBooks and then trying to just keep up with that and yeah. was oh, yeah. doing all the things to make sure the invoices match up with what's being deposited and it's just the tech isn't that hard but it's these little situations where it doesn't quite fit into like, what should I categorize this or how does this work or what should it be a sales receipt or should it be? I have no idea. So I was like, I'm just wasting way too much time. And I hired a bookkeeper and it has been, it actually is like fun looking at my bank account now because yeah it's so organized, like my QuickBooks, it's so organized. I can
1: see everything and yeah, it's great. So,
2: yeah. And that's, Tell okay, me this ahead.
1: then. No, no, no. So so tell me this then. If if you were to, so I've never thought of the idea of like a bookkeeper as like a, a really important part of a business. Um, You know, we're big on into outsourcing. That's one of the things we've talked about um, through our different conversations. So what would you say to somebody like who who is ready to outsource this kind of part of their business? Like if you had a client that was like, I don't know if I really want to come to, you know, get to that point where I'm outsourcing bookkeeping. Like, Where do you have to be to outsource that? Or is it anybody that pretty much should be looking into that?
2: I think like what Jesse just described is like, I think exactly the journey we would expect any business owner to, to go through, Mm -hmm. um, bookkeeping software is not made for entrepreneurs to learn. I know QuickBooks and zero and some of these companies will try to convince you as a business owner. Oh, you can use our software and do it yourself. Again, maybe there's some intuitive parts of the software itself, but you have to have bookkeeping knowledge. And like I said, mentioned earlier, it took me a year to really know how to log into QuickBooks, wow. deal with all the things that we need to deal with for our clients' books to be accurate, like to be to the penny, locked in, categorized properly, and not screw something up severely. It took me a year to really learn that. So, um, but that was my job. Like I needed to know that as a business owner, you don't need to know how to do the books. So if you're not ready to hire a bookkeeper yet, I think what Jesse did do it in a spreadsheet to begin with. That's the most cost-effective way to do it. And there's not a whole lot you can screw up in a spreadsheet other than you just looked at the bank statement and missed a transaction. You forgot to put a deposit in or expense in, but like kind of tracking into a spreadsheet, I think is the way to do it. Cause you're not going to royally screw something up because the software will create opportunity for you to screw things up. You didn't even know you could screw up. And then once that spreadsheet gets to a point where I think Jesse, like you said, you're just like, uh, there's too many transactions going on in this business. I'm making more money. So it feels like I need to be tracking this more closely. Then that's where you, you jump into the bookkeeping software and then have a bookkeeper start to manage that for you. For our clients, like I mentioned before, our clients, uh, they have to be operating in us dollars. Um, again, we only deal with online businesses. So all of our clients are selling like courses, membership sites, they're influencers. or you know, digital products and online services, and then they have to be. Well, they don't have to be, but typically we like to see them getting to that hundred thousand dollar mark or beyond, because then that's where the level of service we provide really starts to provide some some benefit that goes beyond just hiring a random bookkeeper.
0: Yeah, so it, it you- got to it got to a point where I just was spending way too much like my time. The it would take me probably two to four hours to do my monthly QuickBooks and half the time I would let like three months go by and I realized I haven't like done my done my quote done I'm doing air quotes done my QuickBooks and then just it just turned into just too much of a hassle so I realized that I could outsource it and have my time be better spent elsewhere where my hourly rate made sense to do that. Well, Um, he said it took him a year to learn. Yeah. And and I would still get stuck. I would still get stuck. And then I would be going down the Google rabbit hole or trying to, you know, it just, it just wasn't worth it for me anymore. So it's been, it's been super helpful.
2: Okay. I feel like I just stressed you out with everything I just said. What's going on in that mind of yours? What are you thinking about (laughs) with your own financial situation?
1: I'm thinking I am screwed.
2: (laughs) Well, it's, it's not screwed. It's, it's depending on where you're at in your business again mm-hmm. not every business can can afford to hire a bookkeeper right, right off the bat it's more do we have the awareness that like okay the government's going to want to know how money's moving in and out there's benefit to me knowing how money is moving in and out because um what i think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand about being a business owner um well we get it to some degree, but sometimes I don't think we understand how to solve this is it so easy to get distracted by shiny objects. And it's so easy yeah. to feel like you have so many things to do in your business that it, it's, it becomes difficult to prioritize or figure out where do I really need to focus. And there's something about seeing your numbers that brings everything into light and everything into focus. Cause if you can look at your numbers and you go, okay, my expenses, aren't that big. I just need to go make more money. Then instead of thinking about these long-term grand brand idea things that you want to do that makes your company look really cool, but doesn't really move the needle. All of a sudden you go, well, that's just going to cost me more money. It's not going to make me any money directly right away. So what are the things I can be doing in this business to start generating money now? Because it's a lot easier to run a business that's generating cash than a business that's kind of sitting on the edge. And so that's where, especially creative entrepreneurs, like we work with a lot of creatives. Um, you start to realize the value of that, of like, Oh, like this is going to point out like, it's going to make it obvious if I'm distracting myself and not working on the things in my business that are really moving the needle because we don't have the luxury to be experimenting. And in this nebulous world of like working on projects, we never finish or never making an impact. It's like all of a sudden they see their numbers and they go, there is so much potential here. Why am I not doing more of the things that just work?
1: No, you're you're totally right. Because like, when I started my blog, all I was focused on is like, how I can add this to my blog, how I can add that to my blog to kind of, you know, what I was thinking is, oh, get more SEO results, get people in and everything. And how can I make it look pretty? When I wasn't actually focusing on like creating content, I was like, oh, how can I make Mm -hmm. it look pretty without creating content, you know, and then uh, there's nothing on the blog for people to like pay attention to. So it's just been in the past you know, <laughs> yeah. two years that I've all of a sudden, I had a kid two years ago and it's like mom brain kicked in. And just all of a sudden I was like, Oh wait, I shouldn't be spending money on this. I should be doing this. So I I'm getting what you're saying now. And that makes it a little bit more digestible for me. So that was like a little mini coaching session. Thanks. <laughs> That's why we usually have people on, on the podcast I, we end up with like extra mini coaching sessions. That's it. That's it. That's why we brought you on, Parker. We both needed coaching sessions on this.
2: Well, I I do. And and here's the thing. If anyone's listening to this right now, and I always like to say this as kind of a caveat, uh, especially in American culture, and I don't think it's much better anywhere else either. I don't think money is talked about enough. And I think there's so little education that we all just feel like crap that we don't know more about this. And as someone who, again, maybe I was a little more organized before I started of all finance, i had like a personal budget. And I like to know like what our household budget was doing. Um, but especially when it comes to a business, like no one, no one tells you how to operate the financial side of your business. So for me, like my mission as someone who, um, probably should have never been in the world of finance based on my personality and what my skill sets are. But here I am is like, how can we just share this information with more people and give people the perspective of like, what's really the role of finance and bookkeeping and accounting? Because I think most entrepreneurs will like this part of their business once they understand how it works. And once they have the systems in place to do it, because again, we work with very creative entrepreneurs. A lot of our clients are not like, numbers-minded people. But when we do the work of organizing the data for them, and then they see what the data is to look at, it's not hard to understand. Like I'm assuming everyone listening can add and subtract. If you can do that, you're going to look at these numbers and go, ooh, there's a game to play here. If I maybe watch this expense and I can have this promotion, ooh, look how much profit I could be making. And that's money I could be putting in the business to save up or pay my finally pay myself a salary, right? All the things that excite us, which is like, can I make a full-time living from my business? And beyond that, can I actually build wealth from my business? Like those are the exciting things. Those are the exciting possibilities that come about when we start making sure we're taking the money part of our business seriously.
0: I love that. So Let's kind of dive into some of the, the questions then that we have. I know we unpacked a lot there. So some of it we might have already even covered a little bit. But I know the the topic of this episode is, you know, kind of geared towards online influencers. So, you know, first of all, I think we want to know, is is there a difference when it comes to, because you work mainly with online businesses. Now, is there a difference um, you know, when you're thinking about finances as like an online influencer versus someone else that may be listening,
2: yes, there some of these differences are gonna be kind of be with the way your taxes work as a as a business, and some mm-hmm. of it's just gonna be in terms of the complexity of your finances. So when you think about, um, like let's say one of our ideal clients would be a, like we have a ton of course creators. So you think about a course there's no physical product to build. There's no storefront. There's no inventory. There's none of these things that can add complexity. It's like, we have some software, we pay some contractors, and I go out and sell to my audience. So it's like a really basic like structure. It's a really basic business model because you're just selling digital products that you don't have to make. Just people subscribe, they get access, you sell away. Obviously, as a course business, scales to high six figures, and then into the multiple seven figure range, it gets more complex, but the core is still very simple. Now, if you think about, if you like had a restaurant, I mean, just think about what it takes to start a restaurant. It's not just, oh, I'm going to put a website up and now I have a business. It's like, no, you need to have a place to have the restaurant. You have to buy all the food and ingredients and inventory right off the bat. You have to hire people right off the bat. Um, You have to make, put all this money in, and then you have to do all this work to make sure that there's systems in place, that the food comes out on time. Like it's complex. And so tracking the finances for a business like that, gets to be a lot more because now you have inventory, which has to be tracked a certain way from an accounting standpoint. You have Mm -hmm. sales tax, which very few of our clients have to deal with any sales tax at all. So some of these other business models, like a restaurant or retail store or um, manufacturing, or even just like an online e-commerce business, if you're selling physical products online, all these pieces do have more financial complexity um, that makes the bookkeeping a little more difficult and makes the taxes um, a little more difficult to track. So that's where online business is the ones we serve have been so democratizing because you don't need to have a bunch of money up front. You don't have to have complicated financial systems in place. Um, but we still have to do something as online business owners. So that's where understanding what kind of business model you want to get into and also making sure you don't have like four business models built into one where it's like, well, I want to have my e-commerce store and sell physical products and then going to do consulting and then I'm going to do live events. And then I'm going to also like, if you're doing all of these things right from the start, chances are that's just going to make things more complicated and it's probably going to make your business less profitable. That's a whole nother conversation. We can go down that lane a little more if you want to about offer complexity. Um, But yeah, there, there is something to be said about making sure you understand, well, how does my business model work? Does my bookkeeper, does my accountant, do I understand how money moves in and out of here? And do I understand sort of the rules I need to play play by from a tax standpoint too?
0: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, just, I know offhand, different states even have different requirements for digital products and whether or not their sales tax applied or um or not in some cases, like Massachusetts, right. it's a digital product or a digital service. There's Jessie you know, has a course, so she knows all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it can definitely get get complex very, very quickly. So um one of the things that I think is very mysterious for a lot of entrepreneurs and influencers is, you know, what should they realistically be making or paying themselves? And yes you know, so, yeah. So, and, and, you know, because to your point, nobody really talks, not a lot of people talk about this. Not a lot of people talk about money, talk about what they're making, even in the corporate world, it's, you know, nobody's supposed to really talk about their salaries, but if we kind of normalize that situation, it might, you know, kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. So totally. I mean, is there, is there a, a, a formula? Is there a way that these online influencers and businesses can start to understand what they should be paying themselves or it just, or maybe it all just depends on what your financial goals are.
2: So I, this is something I answer a lot. It is going to be both a disappointing answer but I think also a liberating answer. That's always what I want to achieve here. I think as entrepreneurs, we want like, just give me a formula, give me something I can copy and paste and put into my business. But there's nuance, right? There's certain parts of our business where it's like, yes, I'm going to copy and paste a strategy my coach told me about, put it in my business. If it works, great, let's run with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's other parts of our business where we have to understand nuance. Paying yourself is one that has nuance. And so I'm gonna put on my business dad hat here for a second where it's like, we have an extra responsibility as business owners with how we pay ourselves. That's different than if you were just an employee working for someone else, right? So if you just work for someone else, you get your paycheck, you go, I know how much money I'm making each month and I'm just gonna make sure that I pay my bills personally. When we have a business, now we have two financial entities we have to be responsible for. We have to make sure that our business is generating enough money to stay healthy and to stay in business and to also pay you. And then you have to take whatever the business is paying you to make sure you're paying your personal bills. And that's why it's so important that our business and personal finances are completely separate. We do not want to operate our business and personal lives out of one account. Um, But the answer to like kind of the answer to your question is going to be, well, do you know how much money you need to make personally to cover your bills? And then do you know how much profit your business generates on a monthly basis? And then from there, it's up to you to figure out what really makes sense. So for instance, if you are someone who you're not really sure what you spend money on each month, personally, you're not sure how, like, you know what your rent is or your mortgage is and all that, but you're kind of just spending money and we don't have any like strategy or intention there. Well, again, not to be the, Bummer, take your responsibility serious guy. But like as business owners, our money is more complex. So it becomes really important that we do have a personal budget. So we know I need to make at a minimum X amount of dollars each month to cover my bills. And in a more ideal situation, I'm making maybe a little, you know, more than that. So I can actually put money into savings as well, right? But in order to get to that number, we then have to know on our business side, well, how much profit are we actually making every month, right? Can my business actually afford to pay me what I need to live so I don't have to go into debt? And maybe I have to go work a part-time job until my business gets big enough. But it's like, we have to look at what our personal financial situation is, be really clear on that. And then we make the decision on how do I make sure I cover those bills? So that's where again the importance of tracking your finances in the business each month becomes so important. Because let's say for instance, if your business is making five thousand dollars a month in profit, so that's you know maybe you you know you have ten thousand dollars a month in revenue, five thousand dollars a month in expenses, you have five thousand dollars left over in profit. Let's say you're a single mom, you don't have anyone else's income, you you have to pay the bills. There's no one else to help you, and you need. a month to cover all your personal expenses, then guess what? You're gonna take $5,000 out of the business each month, put a thousand away for taxes, and you're gonna take that 4,000 and and pay yourself personally. There's no like, there's no decision there around, oh, maybe I'll pay myself three. It's like, no, I have to, because I know what my personal financial situation is. Versus if you're some, maybe like you're someone who is like, you know what? Um, My spouse and I have talked, we want this business to grow. Uh, They make enough money to pay our bills that instead of paying myself anything, I'm going to invest that money back into the business. I don't need to pay myself anything because I'd rather put some of that money or all that money back into the business to help it grow faster so that I can make more money than my spouse down the road or something like that, right? So that's the kind of decision-making we need visibility into. It's hard to know how much to pay yourself if we don't have enough visibility into the business to know what the business actually can do versus what you actually need on the personal side And I will just assure you that as your business grows and there's more profit, this decision becomes a lot easier because we have clients who are maybe, you know, they're doing 10, 20, 50, $100,000 or more a month in profit that when you're making $100,000 a month in profit, trying to decide how to pay yourself becomes pretty darn easy easy. And there's some nuance that we guide our clients around in terms of like how much to save up in your business so that we're not taking all the money out of the business to pay ourselves, um, all these types of factors. But in terms of your situation, the best place to start is, do you have a personal budget? Are you tracking how much profit your business is making each month? You look at those two things and figure out how do you make them fit for your situation? Does that make sense? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Do you find this is just a curiosity question? Do you find that a lot of people come to you, and or you see people running businesses that just are not profitable at all?
2: We do. Um, that's usually that's sometimes a big reason why they come to us because a big part of our bookkeeping service is it's not just let's get the books done and then here's your report. Good luck. We provide a little more support around like here are the things to look out for financially in your business. We have. Weekly group calls, Tuesdays and Thursdays, where our clients can come and talk to me about their strategies and their numbers. Uh, We have a client learning center. So we're really into educating Mm. our clients to Mm. understand their numbers. So if they come to us not very profitable, they will be profitable Mm. almost always within a year. They figure it out because they just need that focus. They just need someone to kind of shine a light on something because the solutions are there. It's especially for online businesses. Again, they're such simple business models. They usually go, oh, this is where I've been spending too much money. I need to change up my offer or change up my pricing or let go of some people or cut some expenses. And then they go, oh, now we're in good shape. Sometimes it's a couple months and they can turn it around. Sometimes maybe it's a year and they turn it around. Um, But this is where we have to be careful who we take financial advice and business advice from, because there are I do know that there are big names in this industry of business influencers and stuff like that, where they're really good at generating revenue. They're really good at having big launches and making lots of sales. Um, but I know behind the scenes, they're not making as much profit as they should be because of how they operate, their organization, um, how they've set up their offers, the way they market their businesses, where they've just done the things that work, but didn't change how those things work as they scale and grow or and grew, because as your business grows, you have to rethink how you start to do things, how you operated as a $75,000 a year business is not going to be the same way you can operate when you're a $750,000 a year business. And so again, if they don't find someone like us to maybe shine some light on this part of their business, because a lot of bookkeepers, accountants, finance people make this stuff complicated. They don't explain things well. They don't really create strategy. They just go, that's bad. And you go, what do I do? And they go, I don't know. And you're like, That doesn't help me. Right. So, (laughs) this is hard. Like, even successful people who are making a lot of money in their businesses can still not understand this whole like, well, how do I make sure my expenses aren't higher than my income? And so, that's where, again, don't compare yourself. Like, this is something I tell a lot of people don't compare yourself to other people's businesses because we have clients who maybe are doing $500,000 a year and keeping 300 grand in profit for the year. And we might have clients who are doing $1.4 million a year and and are do making less than $300,000 in profit. They're still profitable, but obviously we've had clients come to us where they're not as profitable as businesses half their size. So that's where it's so important to, yes, it's amazing someone can have a big lunch and make lots of revenue, but what yeah. they don't tell you is how much they're keeping. And that's the that's the key piece of a successful business owner of a smart business owner.
0: Is there is there a standard, I don't know, a standard... Profit percentage. percent yeah. that you should be—I don't know—or average. It probably depends on the industry. There's probably industry KPI like metrics that you that you follow. But if there's—is there an o- overarching like goal that people should be reaching? Is it like 50% profit? Is it?
2: You're just teeing. The, like, you're just teeing up these questions and flowing perfectly. Like the mm-hmm. where your mind is going with each thing. It's a perfect segue. Jesse's
1: good with numbers and and all this kind of stuff. I'm the one who's sitting here like, okay. Jesse
2: asked the good question. Let me teach me something here. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'd say there there definitely is. So what we want our clients to be at is 30% profitability or better. We feel pretty much every online business can achieve 30% profitability or better. So what that means is for every thousand dollars you make, $300 $300 at a minimum should be left over. Now, a couple of things that just caveats here is number one, if you're like just starting your business, like any profitability goals is not going to be real realistic. That if you're was like, my
1: next question about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. You're like,
2: I have $2,000 a month in revenue and $2,000 a month in expenses. Like, if you came to me and showed me that, am I going, you need to cut your expenses down until you get to 30% profitability? You're like, I literally can't cut any expenses.
0: I have to like, eat. <laughs> this is
2: well like this is literally all these these expenses I'm getting my software and all like I need this to run my business then it's like what I would tell you is like I'm not worried about your expenses you just gotta go make more money make more sales right like that's sometimes the solution I think a lot of times people go oh if I talk to someone about finances they're gonna tell me to cut all my expenses. And it's like sometimes we'll look at clients and it's if their business is like in the low six figure range, sometimes it's just like, yeah, your expenses are fine. You just got to generate more revenue. Just do more volume. Um so that's where like you know in the early stages of your business, I wouldn't expect that. But also if you're in like maybe that getting closer to a hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue all the way up to maybe three or $400,000 a year in revenue, I would actually like to see that you're doing better than 30% profitability. I'd rather see you at 40 or 50% profitability because it's showing that you can generate revenue efficiently and it can help build up some cash in the business as well. So that way, then we can go, you know what? This business, I'm doing a really good job of being able to like make revenue with just myself and a small like maybe a VA and some software. Like it's really not a whole lot of people helping you. That because the business is so profitable, we can more easily afford to bring new expenses in. And if our profitability starts to drop closer to thirty percent, so be it but we're probably increasing in our revenue with those investments in the long-term that we're going to make more profit dollars in the long run by doing that. Versus if you get to $200,000 a year, you're like right at the border of 30% profitability. Then it's like, you're going to have to like make more money without spending a lot more money in order to put yourself in a better business situation. So the the, the the simple condensed version of that is I like to see better than 30% profitability um, once you get closer to six figures all the way up to maybe three or $400,000 a year. And then as our clients get deeper into the multi-six-figure range, get into the seven-figure range, then that 30 to maybe 40% range is going to be more realistic because they're going to have more expenses. Um, it's just the business is going to be bigger. They can't operate on such a shoestring budget. So I'm going to expect those profits to get uh, that profit percentage to get more closer to that 30% range. That being said, online businesses have such low overhead that if you have good marketing strategies um, and, you, and you're and you very operationally sound with how your business runs, we have clients who are in the multi-seven figure range who could do well over 30% profitability. So, um, so much of this just has to do with your business model, what it is you do, who your customer base is. But all that aside, it still comes down to, I still think almost any online business can be at 30% profitability or better.
1: What happens if you don't, like I say, I say this as a weird way, not that you don't have a product. What if your product is your, your blog, your collaborations with brands and, you know, cause you said you've worked with influencers and a lot of them come mm-hmm. out with, with like courses and stuff, but what happens if you haven't gotten to that point yet where you're like creating a course? What if you're at that point where you're like, you know, you're doing brand collaborations and partnerships and, you know, maybe traveling for, a, you know, a living. What, what can you, is, does the, do the same rules kind of apply if you don't have like a product product and it's more like your you are the product, kind of thing. Your mm-hmm. influence. Your influence is the product. I
2: mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sponsorship stuff is really easy. Like, we have a client who has a podcast. Um, they have very low production costs. They get great sponsorships. Super profitable because it's just like him, his production team, and they do their thing. So, and they're very profitable. Um, but we've had like let's say YouTube influencers where it costs so much to make some of their content. That the sponsorship deals can be healthy, but because they have so much other stuff going on to create their videos um, that their profitability can actually suffer quite a bit. So if you're just like, you just have a big Instagram following and you make $7,000 a month um, in sponsorship deals and you literally have nothing else going on, you might literally be keeping 80, 90% of that revenue each month because it's like, it's really simple. I have an audience, I put things in front of them and I get paid to do it. Right. But as things scale up and we want to reach a bigger audience, we have bigger business goals. Then that's where our eyes can be bigger than our stomachs and our expenses get a little bigger trying to scale. And again, it all comes down to, are we paying attention to how much revenue we're generating each month relative to the amount of expenses we're bringing in? So in essence, a sponsorship influencer type business model should be very profitable. But it's just important that we understand what are the costs of creating our, you know, the content that I make. And also, are there other opportunities to generate revenue outside of sponsorships um, in order to sort of protect that revenue stream? Because sometimes mm-hmm. you may get a lot of sponsorships one month, you know, yeah. another month, and maybe it kind of falls off a little bit and you're looking for people. So mm-hmm. that's where, you know, as a biz- influencers, I think sometimes, especially smaller ones, sometimes don't realize that they're running a business. And that's where as a CEO, as the 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 owner and leader of your business, we need to be thinking about like, how do we make sure we're always generating the revenue we need to generate in order to pay our bills?
1: Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, when the pandemic hit, influencer marketing kind of shot up through the roof because, oh. oh yeah, you know, people weren't able to get on like the regular TV sets and stuff like that. So, you know, you had a ton of people running around on Instagram, marketing this stuff. And all of a sudden, some people were taking off because they nobody else could market these products. But as we're slowing up and the pandemic is kind I mean, I'm not saying it's slowed down 100%. But you know, things are opening up, you know, that uptick in business. that influencers are seeing, as you said, it, it can go down, how can you kind of, for any online business, how can you kind of financially prepared for those uncertain times? Like maybe some of the businesses that you were even um, responsible for, maybe they saw that down downtick during the pandemic. Like what can you do?
2: So this kind of goes back to, I don't know if, if, if the listeners have heard this, but if you're not growing, you're dying as a business. I don't know if anyone's kind of heard that term. Um, like just kind of staying in the same place in your business um mm-hmm. is a really risky place to be. And I'm a I like to think I'm a compassionate capitalist, you know. I obviously like money and um and and I think Who doesn't? that capitalism is is uh, a great system, um but I think we also just have to be mindful of um how we make our money and understand that there's risk involved with everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And so I think when it comes to being ready for uh, uncertain times, if your business, like you have to have savings and if your business isn't big enough for your business to have savings, not, and I'm not talking about your personal savings. Like we want our clients to have three months of operating expenses saved up in their businesses. So that if, you know, for instance, Facebook, a lot of our clients spend money on Facebook ads. Facebook algorithm has been flipped upside down because of the cookie stuff and iOS and all that. Um, So a lot of our clients are like, well, crap, I had this funnel that was working well. It's now costing me a fortune to try to convert people. We got to pivot. We have to pivot and figure some things out. Well, they have three months of operating expenses. They know of three months of cash that. It gives them time to pivot, adjust, figure out whatever they need to figure out to get things back on track versus if they had no savings. And especially if they're operating a multi-six figure or multi-seven figure business, um, they're going to start going into debt really quickly. And that's one thing we really want our clients to do is let's never use debt or credit to run an online business when cash flow can be so like online businesses can be more profitable than almost any business model you can think of. So that's where if your business, you know, when your business is small, it's going to be risky, right? Like you're not going to be able to save much money in the business because you're having to either pay for your business, business expenses or take all the money out to pay yourself, that that's where we have to have some sort of a vision for, well, how can I get this business to a place where I don't have to take every dollar out? I can start to build some savings in the business. And if you're just not generating enough revenue yet, then when thing, you know when things happen like a pandemic and sales slows down, you're just in a risky situation. That's just the that's just kind of the, the the bottom line there um I was hesitant to use that phrase because that's the name of our podcast and it felt very cheesy to say that's the bottom line but that's kind of the bottom line of it um but um I will say on the flip side of that working as an employee anywhere is risky too because you could lose your job because the company doesn't do well. so in a lot of ways I, I don't think uh, entrepreneurship is necessarily so much riskier than um, being an employee, but those early stages of your business, especially if you're making less than six figures a year in revenue, you're going to be in a riskier situation for uncertain times. Otherwise bigger businesses are in more of a situation where, okay, we're generating enough profit. Now I don't need to take all of it out to pay myself. I'm going to build that three month buffer. So that way we can handle even just like a bad month. Like our client, even our most successful clients aren't always profitable every single month. Like, it's just not the way it works. It's you might have a really huge month, and a month you take a small loss or you break even, and then you have another really great month. And when it when you look at the full year, you end up being great. Profit looks good, revenue looks good, but any given month, just the flow of money, might not always be perfectly profitable every every given month. So that's what again, we're having that extra cash in the business helps alleviate the stress of dealing with some of those ups and downs. And that's where big businesses who aren't doing that. And I say big businesses in our realm, like six figure plus, then that's just a lack of vision and leadership on the business owner side to not be paying uh, enough attention to their numbers and not be thinking enough about how do I manage the risk in my business to make sure I'm, you know, we want our clients to pay themselves, but we also want them to make sure they're managing that risk and have that rainy day fund to get them through Um, these ups and downs. I mean, that's why when you look at like the airline industry, when the pandemic hit and they had to get a bailout from the government because they took all their cash and bought they want to buy their stock back. They put themselves in an extremely risky situation because they're like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Nothing risky will ever happen. We'll just dump all of our cash into stocks and we'll sit on no cash. The pandemic hits, and literally two weeks later, they're like, government, give us some money. We don't have any cash. And it's like, yeah, because you had lots of cash. You've been yeah. super profitable for the last four years. And now You're asking for taxpayers to to bail you out. So I use them as an example because they piss me off, but also because even big businesses like huge, massive corporations fall into this, this trap thinking we're always going to make money. Everything's going to be great. Nothing bad's ever going to happen, right? This is where, again, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to be running their businesses in this super fearful state, but we have to understand that the more we can mitigate risk in our businesses, the more likely our business is going to last for a really long time.
1: Okay, I'm processing all of this. This is, it's this you've given us so much to think about, you know, especially the idea of separating finances. I, I'm just gonna be one of those people that says, I have not done that. So
2: Kate, most haven't. So again, okay. you are all not right. alone. You're not alone there. I think it's um, and this is the piece that I want everyone listening to kind of understand. Uh Each level that your business kind of gets to, you're going to have to learn new things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there might be like levels you get to in your business that if you don't learn new things, you're never going to move past that level right? Could be on the finances, could be on the marketing, could be in the leadership realm. It could be in the legal realm of your business, right? There's these things that we need to do to protect the business um, and things we need to do to be the leaders of our business needs in order to get to these these next levels. But we all start in that same place. I can guarantee you almost every one of our clients started off their businesses. They're like, well, this is going to be a side hustle. Let's see what happens. They use their personal checking account and they start there, right? Like yeah. that's just a natural, th- why would I go open? I don't know anything about accounting or finance. Why would I go open another bank account? That just seems like a pain in the butt, right? right. So these are the things that as you learn and we start to understand why these things are so important, uh, then we start to, again, gain that. I really feel like it's just gaining the perspective we need in our business mm-hmm. to not just look at what's going on in my day-to-day and what's happening right now. It's about moving that perspective just wide enough that we still see what needs to happen on a day-to-day basis in our businesses, but we can see what the next thing is for us. Where do we need to grow into? Where do we need to see some of the things that we've been missing that if we put into our businesses will help us kind of get to that next level and start to think about our business and play the game differently. And I think entrepreneurship and being a business owner it's a game. You just have to learn the rules of the game and you'll learn more of those rules as you continue to grow. You'll kick yourself and go, why didn't I learn these, these rules sooner? Yeah. Um, but it's better to learn them now than never at all.
1: I so also a lot of people just think of this idea of, well, if it's not broke, don't, why, why fix it? If it's not broke, why don't why fix it? Like so if you if you have a system that's working for you, why are you gonna change anything? And it I feel like a lot of people get stuck into that. Um, so this is a much healthier way of looking at, at it like, well, yeah, but if maybe you change some stuff up, you can grow.
0: Well, I have a follow-up question. I know we've we've chatted for quite some time so this is going to probably be a longer episode than what we thought, but I feel like I'm it's good. really important to um I, to our audience actually. So I'm going to this isn't a question that we have on our sheet, but is there an example? I want to give these I want to give all of our influencers and newbie entrepreneurs hope. And so in your <laughs> In your, because we talked a lot about like some very serious, can be scary stuff. Yeah. But that you know, so in your experience, do you have a client or or a, a case study that you could briefly tell us about where maybe this person was making, let's say thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, and now is over six figures? Do you have an example where someone has been been able to make that scale of from
1: you know? It's going to be depressing if he doesn't, but
0: very like, (laughs) I I know you work mainly with already six figure entrepreneurs. So I don't know if there is an example that you can give us something that, you know, there's hope for all of us.
2: I have like 170 examples I could give you because we have, well, share, share
0: one story with us. A good
2: one. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have roughly 170 monthly recurring clients all ranging from low six figures maybe they're they're going to make their first 100 grand or more this year all the way up again to a handful of clients who are doing you know 8 to 12 million every single one of them started off making that 30 40 thousand like no one just woke up and their business was like oh I'm now a half a million dollar business that was super easy like um, a couple examples here we had one client uh, one of my, uh, someone who's become a friend over the years and um, she actually talked about this on one of uh, my like our podcast. We occasionally interview our clients, and uh, her name's Caitlin Batcher. I mean, she was like doing social media management and some consulting on the side, and she was doing one-on-one services and like you know making a little bit of money each year, trying to figure out what we sh- she was going to do until she eventually got into courses, and now she has like a really robust really amazing coaching program for, for businesses on how to build funnels and, and, and generate uh, revenue from ad spend into that funnel. And she's now, you know, uh, for the sake of um, anonymity and all that, I'm not going to say where her business is at. She, you follow her. I'm sure she talks about how much money she makes. She's doing very well for herself, right? We have another client who um, he was working on his course in his car at lunch during his day job. He would sit in his car on his computer, like building this online business. uh, And now he makes probably five to 10 times more than he ever did in his, his day job. We have a client who was actually making Six figures, like multi six figures, while still working a full time job because he felt like he came to us. He just didn't feel clear enough on what his financial situation was with the business um, that he was scared to leave his job because he felt like we might need it. And just this past year, he finally left his job and he built a multi six figure business while working full time uh, and having a family and all that um, at the same time. And he just built this business on the side all the way up. So I could go on and on with examples like this. Um, No, I think
1: that's a great way. Great, if I I was making six figures, I'd be like, bye, bye. No, I
2: know, but it's but everyone has different stories around money, right? Like everyone, like some people really need to have a lot to feel secure. Other Mm -hmm. people might feel like, dude, like I'll live on whatever I got. I just want to be happy doing what I'm doing. But this is the thing where I know we're talking to hear a lot about like how do we make better decisions in our business? How do we pay attention to the numbers so we can make Mm -hmm. better decisions? But again, like. The main place we need to start is, can we generate revenue? And the beautiful thing about like, the business model, everyone, you know, I'm, I imagine most everyone here listening has some sort of version of an online business, influencer, coach, thought leader, whatever it is. Um, you can make a lot of money without having to spend a lot of money if you have the right strategies in place. And that's the beautiful thing. And once you start making so much money that you're starting to get nervous about things, that's where you hire someone like us. Everyone should be working with an accountant anyways, like kind of early. Like one of the first people you should hire is is an accountant to help you with taxes. And then if you're worried about like website legal stuff, then you hire a lawyer, right? You get to these levels where you have more to lose. So you have more money to hire people to come in and take care of some of this. Like maybe for some people it's less fun, but what is fun about money is seeing that you're making money. And every single client that we've worked with started as someone with an idea for a business and now is working full-time creating wealth for themselves and their families and doing really amazing things in the world, like providing real value to their students, their clients, their customers, and actually helping other people. So that's what attracted me to this world and to you know, working with Corey at Evolve Finance and becoming a partner because getting to see these people's journeys has been some of the best business education I've ever had. And it made me kick myself going, why didn't I get into this earlier? Because People are making amazing livings, doing things they really enjoy. And again, they've just, as they've reached new levels, they educate themselves, they get more support and they traverse each new level in their businesses. As it comes, no one just wakes up and goes, oh crap, I'm making a ton of money and I don't know anything about my business. Everyone goes on that journey. You see every step of the way, as long as you have the mentality, like I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to solve problems. I'm willing to show up in the business the way I need everyone is capable. And I really believe everyone is capable to getting to a hundred to $250,000 a year in their businesses. And then it's up to you on how much you want to grow and learn to kind of go beyond that.
1: You are so passionate and like it, one of the more passionate people we've had on there I guess there's no chance of the band getting back together after hearing you <laughs> like that just um, that just can't happen maybe not, maybe that'll be your side hustle if, if it gets back together but I don't the, the, see you doing anything else but that I
2: don't see the band making me more money than I am right now and, <laughs> there and you go as, as much stability and um, sanity as I have right now so I think my band days are o- over I played rock music no one even listens to rock music anymore so I'm screwed I anyways
1: I do I do well we we're look. Like, we there's a lot there's only like one rock station in the boston area these days so really it, our yeah, music our music is very limited it's here. a lot of country, a lot of country music and i don't like country music i actually do like i like all all, all music i like i like rock. all music except for country
2: i think if boston is like a rock town I don't know why I don't I think Smith. Be more. I, Boston. Smith is one of my favorite bands of all time Like I grew yeah. up listening to Aerosmith so that's maybe why I think of
1: yeah Boston, I, grew up, but... I grew up in the town where um Brad Delp grew up in from Boston so oh yeah I lived across the street, the street cred. His, yeah I lived across the street from his aunt he used to come and visit all the time
2: so, oh like, wow yeah
1: so like I like rock and roll, so, you know, it's too bad. It's too bad, but I think you're doing what you should be doing. I think know?
2: so. I just had a very uh, roundabout way to get here, but I'm so grateful that it's, uh, I am where I'm at right now.
1: You've left nothing on the table. That's, that's exactly what you've done. So where that, that's people, all I was trying to do. Yeah. Well, where, where can people find out more about you and about Evolved Finance as well as your podcast, The Bottom Line?
2: Yeah. So, um, if you just go to e- Evolved. Finance, that's with an ED, E V O L V E D, finance.com. That's the best place to go. Um, I will be very honest and transparent. We've been trying to, or we're, we're trying to up our social media game because I know a lot of your listeners probably follow people on social media. Our social mm-hmm. media has been pretty whack, to say the least. Um, So we are um, going to be upping like our Instagram stuff. We have a great Facebook group, so recommend uh, people go there. But otherwise, like on our website, we have a podcast um, with a lot of episodes where I talk a lot about the things we just talked about. uh, And we're actually revamping the podcast where we're going to start interviewing our amazing clients and letting them share their money stories and all that. It's going to be, I cannot wait for that to come out. Um, And then also we have a free workshop on our website called Know Your Numbers Now, where we talk about what are the core financial things you need to understand about your business, how to separate your business and personal finances, um, what sort of bank accounts and stuff like that you should have set up in your business and some mindset pieces that I think are really helpful to understand what your role is as a business owner. And then we give away a free personal budget, a free business budget in that. So wow. it is packed with a lot of stuff. So I highly recommend everyone check that out. If you want to start you know, putting your toes in the water with the financial side of your businesses.
1: I'll definitely be doing that because <laughs> I haven't yet done all that work. So well, Kate, like you got,
2: you know, you know, my email address, if I, I can do, answer yep. any questions for you, please feel free to reach so out. You whenever.
1: might be, you might be regretting that. <laughs> 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 I'm not, I'm not good with numbers, but uh, I might be emailing you. At we're going to oh, change
2: well, We're going to change that story. I think that's a BS story. I uh, was, I was a stoner musician in a band. <laughs> I was wearing Dickies with a chain wallet, you know, when I was in college, I, I was that. not a dude who ever thought he was going to be good at numbers. I am proof that numbers, it's a skill that you learn. Everybody can learn the basic skills of understanding the financial sides of their business. And that's like what you just said there. That's what I want to eradicate from everyone's uh, vocabulary is that I am not a numbers person. You can be a numbers person. We just need to, up, you know, just give you the right information so you can start to go, okay, I'm maybe not a mathematician or an MBA finance person, but I know how to work the numbers in my business.
1: Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going to check out that, that course. That's awesome. Thank you. Again, thank you so much for being on it. This is, you know, usually I was just saying to Jesse before this, I'm like, we like to keep our episode short, but this is just, yeah, been I know this has fantastic. been a lot of
0: information and a little bit, oh, so glad. We, we haven't really dove into finances and I, when it comes to like our, our, what we normally talk about. So I think this is going to be really helpful for our audience and yes. it's been great chatting with you.
2: Hey, thank you both for having me on the show. Really appreciate it.
0: Wow, that was I think one of our longest episodes. So yeah. I mean, I would just say uh, it kind of speaks for itself. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of information. So if you skipped around, make sure to listen. Maybe you need to take a couple, a uh, couple days to listen to this one. But Parker really offered a lot of insights into understanding, you know, profitability, what to consider, mm-hmm. um, also how you uh, how
1: bookkeeping can really play a big part in scaling your business. And now I've learned it's not just about balancing the checkbooks. There is is a lot, a lot more to it. And, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to be taking that little free course and seeing where I'm at with, uh, a lot, because I think I need to do a little work on my own finances. I think Jesse, you're getting there. I think
2: this is kind of,
1: we all start somewhere and, and, uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode of Cocktails and Content Creation and that maybe if you're still in the process of figuring out your finances, maybe it debunked some stuff for you. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community, and leave us a comment about what you want us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. You can also email us at cocktailsandcontentcreation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKateAndCo.
0: And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Or if you're interested in my brand photography course for photographers, you can follow me at The Brand Photographer Method. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. But until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy
1: content creating.